This week I asked our staff what some of their most special Christmas traditions were. Driving around looking at Christmas lights in the car with no agenda. Warm cinnamon buns on Christmas morning. One of my favorite traditions has always been singing Silent Night at the end of a Christmas Eve service while holding a candle. That tradition has evolved from holding beeswax candles at First Moravian Church, Christmas Eve love feast, standing next to my parents, to holding a flameless candle as a pastor, watching my children's faces from the stage. Sometimes when the angle is just right, I can see the gleam and glow of the candlelight in their eyes as they sing Silent Night. And it is a a profound God experience for me. It is as if the very light of Christ is shining forth from them, a glimpse of the divine. Churches have been singing Silent Night while holding candles on Christmas Eve since 1818. It has been passed down from generation to generation. And that's been the theme of our Advent series this year. Traditions like Silent Night are a part of the dramatic and beautiful orbit revolving around the transformative story of the birth of Christ, a story that retains its wonder and its power each and every generation. In and through that story, we are reminded there is room for every story. In and through that story, we are reassured that God meets us in our fears. In and through that story, we recall that we can choose a better way. And today, we're reminded that from generation to generation, we see God in each other. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the very first chapter, verses 39 through 58. I invite you to listen for God's word. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. Mary said, with all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months 
and then returned to her home. When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, you may uh, recall from a few weeks ago that a young, engaged woman living in the middle of nowhere received the most unexpected visit from an angel with the most remarkable message. You're going to give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, and he will be God's son, and all of this will happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary is confused and afraid, and God meets her in the middle of her fears with the news that Mary's much older cousin, Elizabeth, who was considered too old to even have children, was already six months pregnant. Then Mary responds with that, that, amazing, that amazing response, I am the Lord's servant, let it be. And right after Mary says this, Luke tells us that she got up and hurried, and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands to visit her cousin, Elizabeth hurried, as in made haste, like forget about the clothes on the line, forget about the dust on the table, forget about the dough on the counter, hurried. The Greek literally means earnest swiftness, earnest swiftness. Why? Why such haste and hurry from young Mary to go on this trek? Was it because she was excited for her cousin Elizabeth, having just heard that amazing news uh, for the first time from the angel? And then now she wants to go and visit her? Was it because even though she had found the strength to say yes to God, she was still incredibly and dangerously alone in that yes and needed to retreat, to, to flee somewhere with someone she could trust? Was it because Elizabeth, uh, was it because in Elizabeth, Mary sees the divine at work? Yes. I think. Joy, wonder, aloneness all propel her feet across the Judean hills to the threshold of her kin, Elizabeth. She needs someone to be with her. She needs someone to be God's presence. Turns out, Elizabeth might just need the same thing from Mary. From generation to generation, we see God in each other. As soon as Mary greets Elizabeth, the child in her womb leaps, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she doesn't just welcome Mary, she can't control herself, and she bursts out into blessing. God has blessed you above all women and has blessed the child that you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. This blessing gives a flesh and bone embodied exclamation point to the angel's greeting. Rejoice, favored one, God is with you. Maybe Mary really believes it now after Elizabeth's words. It's like Elizabeth can see the glimmer of God's divine light, God's presence in Mary's eyes, just like me with my kids, singing Silent Night and holding candles. It's like she sees, she feels, she senses God at work in and through Mary, and she names it out loud. Mary, 
must see God at work in Elizabeth too because after this blessing from Elizabeth, Mary bursts into praise. This God connection between these two unlikely pregnant women inspires Mary to sing her, to sing her, her radical hymn declaring God's liberating love. Mary and Elizabeth see the divine in each other and they name it and they wait with each other because of it. Mary stays, it says, for three months, Elizabeth. As I was reading this this week, it reminded me of, of the Ebenezer stones mentioned in the Old Testament. We sing about them in the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Right here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. Well, in, in 1 Samuel, after the Israelites defeated the Philistines in battle, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, set up a stone as a kind of, of memorial or reminder so that they would always remember and never forget who helped them in their victory. And he named it Ebenezer, which means, thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far the Lord has helped us. So an Ebenezer is like a tangible reminder of God's faithfulness to be present to those who need help, to those in need. So it can be anything that we look back on in times of uncertainty or difficulty, a kind of buoy to hold us up, to hold on to when the waters get stormy. Mary and Elizabeth are Ebenezers for each other. Mary and Elizabeth are Ebenezers for each other. They are for each other very real expressions of God's presence in the midst of surreal and wonderful and terrifying and unsure situations. They're willing to wait with one another and mutually experience God's presence in each other's lives. The child Mary carries, in addition to be Jesus, will also be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And even before Jesus is born, for Mary, this is God with her through Elizabeth with her. For Elizabeth, this is God with her through Mary with her. From generation to generation, we see God in each other. After all, God created us in the divine image. God designed us so that we would never really fully know ourselves apart from another. Should we really be surprised? Should we really be surprised that we see God in each other, that from age to age we can see how God is at work precisely in and through our relationships? We find God in each other, particularly in Mary and Elizabeth-type moments and seasons, those, those threshold moments in our lives when we need someone in whom and with whom we experience God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's love as they greet us, as they welcome us, as they wait with us. We see God in each other when we're willing to be with another long enough to speak and to receive blessing, long enough to name God's presence in their life and then to begin to, to see it in our own, long enough so that the Christ in us greets the Christ in them long enough until God's new thing, whatever it might be, happens, and we can help each other see it. It reminds me of the work of doulas, doulas, 
Now, doulas have recently become uh, much more popular for mothers who are expecting a baby. I hadn't even heard of it until um, I remember the first time I heard the word was in a childbirthing class at Nash General in Rocky Mount when Lauren was pregnant with our oldest. And the, the lady, the woman who was teaching the class, was a doula. And so I learned that a doula is essentially a professional labor assistant who waits with the mother and provides physical and emotional support during childbirth. So a doula might help with, with breathing or massaging or positional techniques um, to help the labor progress. The point is they stay, they wait with, they help until the baby emerges in the world. We see God in one another when we're willing to be spiritual doulas. When we're willing to be spiritual doulas for one another. When we're willing to wait with and be with one another, helping, providing a sense of God's presence until transformation, until courage, until faithfulness is birthed. Have you ever experienced God, God with you through someone else with you? When have you seen God in another? When has another person been your Ebenezer? The tangible way that you're reminded of God's faithfulness and mercy in a time of need or a time of new beginnings or a time of uncertainty, a time of waiting and wondering. Who has been your spiritual doula? Who has been your Elizabeth, your Mary? I think about my, my parents or my wife. I think about how my parents have always been willing to, to greet me with, with blessing in moments of uncertainty or transition or discerning or unknown and been willing to, to sit with me, to wait with me through those. I think about how my wife is always willing to name God at work when it's hard for me to see it, willing to, to wait graciously with me until I get out of my own head with my thoughts and ideas and bring them out into the open. I look out at, at each and every one of you and see flicker of God's light in your eyes and think of the ways that I have experienced God in and through you. What about your people? Someone you can say, I've experienced God with me through that person with me. And hopefully, Someone can say that about you too. Because a fundamental part of our divine imageness is that we see God in each other and that we seek to bear God's love and faithfulness and goodness and help. From generation to generation, we need to be one another's Marys and Elizabeths. Because the way that we see the divine in each other impacts how we show up in the world, impacts how we operate in the world. We live in the middle of the brokenness of what happens when we fail to see God in each other. Like pieces of what should be just strewn all around, we see the demonizing of the other, fear, selfishness, exclusion, prejudice, racism, violence, disrespect, lack of empathy, retribution, passive aggressiveness, abuse, 
Friends, can you imagine? Can you imagine what things we might generate? What might be birthed in our midst when we view every human being as a child of God? When we truly see God in each other? Might there be more patience, more understanding, more compassion, more justice, more peace, not just tranquility, but wholeness? More forgiveness, more generosity, more bridge building, more beauty, more creativity, more innovation. We see God in each other when we approach people as if they are the bearer of something divine, just like Mary. This isn't easy. Seeing God in each other requires faith. It requires faith. Elizabeth calls an unborn child Lord. What eyes of faith to be able to see God in the flesh in Mary already. It takes great faith to see the divine in each other. And yet, we must, must imagine God working. Because from generation to generation, we see God in each other just like Mary and Elizabeth saw God in one another. So who do you see God in this Christmas? Who do you need to see God in and through? Who is someone willing to wait with you? Give thanks for them. Who might need you to wait with them? Who might need you to embody God's presence of love, kindness, and help? Pray for them and reach out to them. It may just be the way that together we experience God with us this year and every year. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.